This episode was recorded in 2022. Welcome to the Spring Back Guide podcast, formerly known as the New Leaf podcast, where I share the stories of a bunch of amazing women whose professional lives and identities have all been transformed for the better by becoming a mum. My name is Letty, and I'm the founding coach of the Spring Back Guide, created to get you back to work happy after your baby. This podcast is made for you. Ready to dive in? Okay, let's go. Welcome, Stephen and Erin. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thanks a lot for having us. This is my first couple on the podcast, so I am very excited oh, about this wow. and also slightly apprehensive about how this is going to work recording wise but we're gonna we're gonna wing it it's gonna be fine <laughs> we're we up for the challenge <laughs> we'll make it work and what an honor to be your first couple absolutely thank show. you oh, pleasure is all mine trust me especially because so i was saying to Stephen and erin just before we started recording i've been stalking their account for a while <laughs> and i was just like these people feel very unattainable and elusive and i'm going to basically harass them until they agree to be on the podcast <laughs> but it seems to have worked. I, I appreciate it. I do. You know, I don't know if I've had anyone ever call me unattainable, but I think that sounds cool. You know? Nice. Wait, did Erin not say that about you when you guys first met? Well, maybe I just shared a little too much information. Um, oh my God. I love it. Okay. So what I ask all my guests is where are you in the world right now? And what can you see in front of you? Good questions. We live in Denver, Colorado, and we are here in Denver. And what I see in front of me is Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> We're in our basement in our home office. Yeah. So we see one another and all of our junk in the office Love looking it. at everybody, us. Everybody, everybody has a junk room. I have several. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not even worth noting, but nothing in here is really junk. Stephen takes very good care. He likes to buy nice things and he likes to keep them nice. So I think he's... I, I feel like the office it. could... Maybe it's more organizationally. I feel like we could improve on the organization of our setting here. Yes. So. Letty, there are a lot of systems at the Mitchell house. That is for sure. Things have a place. Systems? Mm. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. Please enlighten me. Are there any other systems that I need to know about? An organization does help calm me down a little bit, but... I think one of the really things to note is that no one in my family respects me. And so no, no one. It's only funny because it's not no true. No one actually follows through or listens to me. And so everyone leaves me to struggle on my own. And so I just end up doing a lot of the things that I'm asking everyone to do. So this is all the more entertaining because you guys are both therapists. So I feel like, I don't know, this is just going to get more entertaining. I was already thinking on. this has taken a very strange turn right at the very beginning. I love it. No, no. It's so weird and I'm here for it. So I, I love it. Well, good news, just... Letty. We're here for a while. So <laughs> okay, buckle up, me. everybody. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So tell me about your children. Oh, they're wonderful. We have three kids. We have a 10-year-old. We have... Eight-year-old? Eight-year-old. Yes. I was going to say our 10-year-old just finished school this week and he's very excited. He feels like he's moving into fifth grade and it feels really old. Yeah. So grown up. He did yeah. say that. that yes. he, he was like, I feel so old. Fifth grade feels older than yeah. fourth. Like really different for him, which is neat. And then Aww. our eight-year-old, he's a delight. And then we have a four-year-old who is almost five. And we were talking earlier a three-year-old who's about to turn four still feels like a toddler, at least in our experience with our kids. But a four-year-old about to turn five just feels really different. It's a yeah. lot older. So. Yeah. So three boys. And so yes. we three have boys. three oh boys. Yeah. I think they each have their own unique personalities. And my middle son, he looks like me, but acts like Aaron, <laughs> you know, those kinds of dynamics, which is to try and learn how to communicate with each of them and love them in a way that uh, matches yeah, mm -hmm. who, they, who they are. It's always a work in progress for sure. For sure. It's definitely our greatest privilege though. Don't you yeah. think? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, parenting is super challenging, but it's also just so much fun. It's a big adventure for sure. So yes. it's, it's really difficult to explain that to people who don't have kids. 
as in you know because everybody can relate to having shitty night's sleep like you know but people can't relate to like oh my god my kid just smiled today it was amazing and you're like okay great like (laughs) it's quite hard to convey that to people that aren't quite yet in the baby face do you know what I mean yes so you referenced our Instagram so we have this whole community of people where we do couples counseling for parents that's the name of it and we just try to give relationship education but so much of it is all tailored for parents but we get a lot of feedback from not parents like this is why I don't have kids this is why I would never and it's because it is challenging and when all you can hear is the challenge without it being able to firsthand have experienced the wonder it doesn't seem worth it like why would I do that Mm -hmm. yeah lose all my sleep for the rest of my life and walk around (laughs) tired in a little bit of a fog yeah Um, because if you've never known what it feels like to see that smile that you're talking about Letty it doesn't make sense yeah Yeah. or to hold those little soft chubby hands and you know all those really special things (laughs) it's so funny that you have people that aren't parents that are like on your page. That's so weird. We don't really know why anybody who chooses to be a part is, but maybe it's just like relationship help. Yeah, um, are bent, or maybe sometimes that we know there are people who are planning to have kids and are trying to do their best to prepare. Yeah. Okay. Because mm. I think the overarching idea, you know, our whole desire is we wanted to give research informed, psychologically sound relationship advice to people out there in the world. And so at the very core of it, the relationship advice is still applicable. Just you're in a partnered relationship. How do you communicate? Which, which makes sense. Yeah. Which yeah. Ma- makes a lot of sense. And also, Aaron, what you were saying about people just maybe wanting to almost try and see a window in before they're there. Just, yeah. like, just like preempt the drama <laughs> like, yeah. before it happens. So which kind of leads me nicely onto how you got here in the first place. So I guess maybe both of you together or separately, what did you guys both do pre-baby? Well, we met when Stephen was in graduate school getting a master's in counseling himself. And then we were not an instant love connection. Um, that's, <laughs> oh, that's please a, explain that. I, <laughs> I was going to say that's a whole podcast episode. We, I mean, honestly, it's I could tell all the bits and pieces. But the truth of it is, we just were not in a great place, either one of us, to want to be in a relationship. I mean, that's kind. So as I said, no one in my family respects me. And <laughs> one of the... And it was... you know Maybe I should have realized this from the get-go, but one of the first things that Aaron said that she felt about me or thought about me. Uh, Watch your mouth. Me, I'm not going to curse. Okay. There was a curse word in <laughs> I've, it. But, I've already sworn it's fine. But, okay. But she was like, you just seemed like you were an arrogant a-hole. Um, and that's why we didn't hit it off right away. But what we came to realize is that when I'm nervous and feel uncomfortable in social settings, I can come off as an arrogant a-hole. But I did not know that yet. And yeah. I have learned that since. So that is true. But also, I think contextually in our lives, there was a lot happening for me personally. Mm-hmm. I think there was that was also true for Stephen. So we met each other when I was in grad school. And we knew each other for about two or three years after that. Same group of people running into each other periodically. And we always had good interactions and conversations and things like that after that initial meeting. I still, every once in a while, I'm like, do you think I loved you then? Do you think I already knew? Do you think that's why I was so resistant to you? Probably. I, But I mean, honestly, my, I mean, to be perfectly clear, and I'm not trying not to talk about it, but my dad was in a really bad place and emotionally and his own health. And Stephen wasn't top of mind. He yeah, was get, like, getting in a relationship. Yes. He was just like nuisance for. in my life. And and there were other things happening for me. And so it was just like, oh, this She's guy, like, this guy is fun. This guy, this he guy is, again. He is good looking. He this is sexy like, guy. Man, <laughs> if he would just leave me alone, now is not the time. You know? No, that. And so, but honestly, I probably did feel like oh, I could probably like him, but I don't have time for that. So I moved to Seattle to pursue my own education. My I got a master's in counseling psychology. And so I left and said goodbye to him. And literally, Letty, I wrote him a note and I put it in his school mailbox and was basically like, I think you're great. And I think that you should be better than you are. And yeah, she had some feedback <laughs> about my character and like how I should be a better human. No, I was it like- was, I just said... Every interaction I've had with you one-on-one, I've really enjoyed. And anytime I see you in a group, you're really unlikable. I feel like you should let more people in. <laughs> it was basically the sum and substance. To be honest um, with me, break me down a little bit in I, this goodbye note. 
in hindsight, there's no. I bet you loved it, though, Stephen. I bet you loved it. You know what? I did. So yeah, this is so. This is what happened. Bit of a challenge, you know. Exactly. I was like, first of all, who does she think she is? Like, like I'm not giving her (laughs) feedback about her life or who she needs to be. And so I was. She's perfect. Thank you, Letty. I was slightly offended, (laughs) but it did lead to me calling her. I made and the note seem worse than it was. What I said was, I think you're really wonderful. It would be so great if more people got to see that. Yeah, cool. I'm leaving forever and never <laughs> see you again. There's no excuse. Um, but then I said goodbye. And I honestly thought that would be goodbye forever. And then a year later, he moved to Seattle. I did. And she, well, what she again. did, and she also ended up going to grad school with my brother yeah. out there in Seattle. And so we still stayed a bit connected. That's right. Still had conversations and things like that. She became really good friends with my sister-in-law. And one day I was on the phone with my brother and I was talking to him and Aaron came up and I was like, Hey man, just so you know, like Aaron and I, we've had like an interesting relationship ever since we've known each other. And I could see y'all trying to fit us together. I think she maybe likes me. I'm not really trying to get into all of that. Could you just tone it down? And my brother was like, Stephen, that's really interesting. But what I don't understand is, why don't you like her? She's great. And I said, well, it's good talking to you. I got to go. Bye. Bye. Breaking up. Yeah, exactly. But that kind of initiated for me the question of why don't I... Like I was always interested. Aaron was different than any other woman I'd ever met. So within two weeks... We were dating, hanging out. We got engaged after like five months, and then we got oh married. We got and then we got married within like eleven months of me moving. So, um, did I always fancy him? Obviously, and yes. did I always fancy her? Three years yes. later, yes. I'm excited to have gotten to have married him. So, yeah. yes, but yeah, there was a lot happening that was yes, preventing sounds like that. It. But once it happened, it was yeah. very obvious we we wanted to be together. Yeah. 14 years later. 14 years married. Yeah, we yeah. just had our 14th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Oh my God, congratulations. Thank That's you. Amazing. The reason why I ask all these questions is because like, I always find it really interesting, people's like origin stories. And with you guys, I like that there was a bit of, there's a bit of, oh, you're annoying me. And it's yeah. like, you're annoying me. I totally understand. Every anniversary, we have a CD that sort of encapsulates our year. And one CD, the very first song was, Jason Mraz, where he Jason. says, you annoy me and sometimes your voice annoys me too. Yes. You know, and it's like just... <laughs> and, it, that was, and I was like, well, that's about it. So like, you do annoy me, but also you see me and you annoy me because I care so much. So obviously whirlwind romance eventually yes. got yes. married. <laughs> so like, did it have a very prolonged romantic period, but then suddenly just did everything all at once. That's How right. soon did babies follow and what were you guys doing for work at that time? Yeah. So I think about three years so later. Long ago, it does. I'm well, it was. To... Um, about three years later. We left Seattle because Aaron got a job in um, St. Louis. In St. Louis. Yes. So I got that job. And then Stephen had a harder time finding a job he was interested in. I was working community mental health and I really loved it. Honestly, it's a lot of why I love our Instagram, why I think Instagram itself is great or even social media. You can communicate complex ideas and make them accessible to people who may not otherwise have them. Not everybody can just afford to go to a private practice therapist. Not everyone, not even everybody wants to, but it doesn't mean that these ideas and practices in our education can't be helpful and useful. So I really liked community mental health. But Stephen was having a hard time finding a job. And then he ended up getting a job in Montana. And then I was able to get a job there. And that is when we first got pregnant. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so a lot of moving around. Oh, yeah. Lots of moving. We've yes. moved a lot. Yeah. And then that pregnancy ended in a pregnancy loss at 14 weeks. Oh, and that really was... sorry. Devastating. Yeah. Yes. And I had honestly... 14 I, weeks as well. That's just... So awful. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah thank you. It was you. very surprising. You know, like I think when it comes to yeah. pregnancy loss, we had heard of that happening, but like it wasn't on our radar, something that could happen to us. And it did. And it was very, it was really painful and impacted sort of our ability to keep doing what we were doing as right. well. 
Correct. Um, so we ended up moving. So he was already stressed with the job we had moved for. It was very clear it wasn't going to be a great fit. Yes, yeah, poor leadership. And I was just like, oh man, what did um, I get myself into? And then this big pregnancy loss. Yeah, and, this big pain. And so it was like, we don't have to be doing this. So we left. So we decided to leave that job, leave Montana, and we went back to St. Louis, which is where I'm from. And that's where Steven started his PhD in medical family therapy. He started at the med school, actually. And so, then, forgive me interrupting, but what yes. is medical family yeah, therapy? Yeah, so it specifically focuses on working with couples, family systems, and individuals that are experiencing acute or chronic illness. So it's this okay. idea. It's this right. idea that if someone has cancer, somebody has diabetes, or someone has a pregnancy loss, you have to consider the medical event in terms of what that means to for the relational dynamic. And so it it applies like marriage and family, systemic thinking, but just in that specific context of the medical world. So super varied, like really interesting work. It is because anything actually can fall into that category because we all have a physical body, whether it's, you know, a simple, like I twisted my ankle or something even more serious as cancer. Our physical bodies really matter to who we are and how our relationships operate and work. And so it it is very varied, uh, for sure. I think it's because it isn't just medical. I think the mm-hmm. sort of our takeaway for our own personal practice of that has been that we are whole beings and that we can't just separate out the physical thing that's happening to me. I would like to talk about the emotional things or that's an yeah. emotional thing that's happening to me. I don't want to think about that. Or we're just whole beings. So it all matters and it all impacts not only our own self, but our partners, our children, yeah. our workplaces. Yeah. And Erin, you've preempted my question, which was obviously something like a baby loss is huge thing to go through. And at 14 weeks, you've got the physical side as well as the emotional side as well. That pregnancy and that loss must have really affected your practice either side of that as a therapist or a counselor. Like you you are a changed person after that experience, both of you. So I guess question first for Erin, how did you return to work after that experience and how did you find it had affected your job? Yes, that's a great question. So because we moved back, I moved right back into the same place, taking over someone's maternity leave. So it was also this like, I'm able to do this job because Mm. I'm not pregnant. And the job I'm filling in is because she is pregnant. It was complex. I forgot that. Yes. And I was having a lot of physical complications. They existed in me for a long time. But I also was able to work with kids in this job. And so it was interesting the way I I viewed kids and I was able to work with their parents. And honestly, it was mostly moms. I just had a lot different perspective and a lot more empathy and compassion. And our kids are so much a part of who we are, but they're also not us. They are this separate thing, even though it feels so often like we are one and there is this Mm -hmm. connected... And they're an extension of you, I guess some people think, right? Certainly. And at least for me, I appreciated all the relationships these kids had with their parents and what these moms were trying to do for their kids. And that's a really beautiful gift, even when it's really hard. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting that reflecting on it now. So while Aaron was doing that, it, it really shaped my PhD research. So I specifically researched a couple's experience of pregnancy loss and then subsequently infertility. Oh, really? And that's what I did for the next five years while I was finishing my PhD. And so, but I think it also, we had a hard time as a couple connecting with any resources or any type of education or anything that was helpful to us in our grieving process. And I think, I, I don't know, would you say like that? I feel like that was maybe ground level of us thinking about one day we really want to do something together for couples. Absolutely. I, I no question about it. We, I, In fact, we started a binder or I started a binder and we were traveling a decent amount and we would just take these road trips and just drive and think someone should be able to help us. And if there yeah. isn't someone that can help us, it should be us. We should be able to help the next us because we needed it and it wasn't there for us. And we had all the skills and resources in the world. I mean, at this point, we both had master's degree in, in counseling. Yeah. Steven's pursuing a PhD. Like We had everything you could yeah. hope for. And we were struggling. So we knew like, oh man, if this is hard for us, this is hard. At least the inkling for us of like, mm-hmm. you know, could we do something? We feel what like there's a be? need. Like, what would that be? How could we do it? It just shaped our trajectory. I mean, my husband and I have had like weirdly had the same conversations in the context of loss, but also just children in general, where we thought, you know, we're a pretty 
tight couple. Mm-hmm. We're very close, are truly very good friends. And mm-hmm. quite often we've thought, man, like if you weren't good mates, this would be really hard, like yeah. very hard. And so I just wanted to just totally echo your sentiment, Erin, which is just that like, you know, you guys with all those resources, everything in front of you, it's still really fucking hard. Like oh, it just is like, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I love the best mates. We are very American, but I love that so much. So we I actually say that fine. to each other, like we're best yeah. mates, like, right. because yeah. it just seems better than we're best friends. Best yeah. mates just feels somehow richer. So yeah, I love that. Hi, sorry to interrupt. If you're feeling inspired by this episode to go back to work happy and confident, then what are you waiting for? I'm the founder of The Springback Guide, and it's an online series of videos just six minutes long each so that anyone can fit it into mum life, focusing on putting yourself first again, getting your confidence back, working better with your partner, and also showing you how to figure out whether you're in the right job at all. And of course, what to do if you're still not sure. If you're already back at work, but feeling stuck and unhappy, it's for you too. It's all designed and led by me to provide you with amazing career and life coaching at a fraction of the price of face-to-face coaching. If you're still not sure or just want to see where I hang out, you can come and chat to me on Instagram at springbackguide. Okay, sorry about that. Let's crack on with the episode. One of the things that I wish couples could understand too is that being in a couple relationship is hard. That doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's always challenging to relate to another human being. And this sort of umbrella of wanting to have kids or getting pregnant or having a pregnancy loss or moving into parenting, that context is one of the most massive transitions that anyone can experience. And undoubtedly, it's going to create challenges. And that's okay. And what we realize we want to do is just help couples know it's okay that Mm. it's challenging. And there is a way to work through it and to work through it with joy, not just grind it out, not just hack it out, but find these great moments and seasons and pockets of joy in the midst of this really wonderful thing that couples get to do. And I think that experience of that pregnancy loss is awful. It's so hard as a couple and you know, in some ways we left that experience and we were like, man, if we can, if we can make it through this, we think we can make it through yeah. anything. Right. And were you guys grieving differently? Was, those the, was that the main thing that you were finding was creating a distance or what was challenging for both of you? You know, ultimately we, I think we, I think grieved. we're on the same page mm-hmm. with that. So we've had two pregnancy losses with our first pregnancy loss. We, we really did feel like we were on the same page with our second one, which was happened to be our fourth pregnancy just for context. Yeah. Mm, okay. and, it, and it happened in the final year of my PhD when I was finishing writing my dissertation, the last chapter about all my findings, about interacting with couples who have experienced this loss. We, we had a pregnancy loss. And that one, I mean... It was bad and it dark. Was really, and we grieved very differently. Really but our first one, we mostly understood and had a lot of space to give each other. We didn't have other kids. We yeah. didn't have some of the other stressors and strains that we did in our fourth pregnancy, our second pregnancy loss. But we did get pregnant again, probably about five months after, I mm-hmm. think. And that was thrilling for me. The fear just wasn't there. I was just... I was going to say, not terrifying? like Not that time, no, but it was for Stephen. That's interesting. That started to feel a little different. And um, it was terrifying every time. Yes, for you. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think somehow for me, it wasn't. None of them, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I was just like... Well, I get to be pregnant today. I may not be pregnant tomorrow, but I'm pregnant today and I am going to love every second of today. And that started to come between us because Stephen was like, you're pregnant for now, but you could lose this baby tonight. I mean, my husband and I were the opposite. So he would say every day is a victory. Every day day that you're still pregnant is a victory. So we should celebrate it. And I was on miscarriagereassurer.com looking at statistics for like every day, what's my odds of miscarrying that day? You know, yeah. I was, it was like, we handled it so differently. So I, I, I really empathize with that. Yes. Yeah. How can you not? You're two different people. You're two different experiences. You know, for mm. a woman, obviously it's the fully embodied experience. For me, there's things I couldn't understand and, and there's things, you know, it's just... How- well, you felt very out of control. I felt it's very control. out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, was, it was a real <laughs> powerlessness for you. And I, it was for me too. You know, I could take care of myself the best way I possibly could, but I can't 
keep a baby just out of willpower. And that did come between us from time to time. Mm-hmm. Like, just enjoy this. Like, trust me, I'm trying. This is good as it gets. <laughs> this like, is, I'm gonna, this you know. is it. Yes. <laughs> so I was working and then everything was fine. That pregnancy was a dream pregnancy. Mm-hmm. The oh, birth was, wonderful. everything was like magic, honestly. And then work became a real problem for me. We couldn't yeah. quite figure out. Because you went back for a, a bit. Right. Didn't you? Yeah. Did you have a maternity leave or how does it? Because I know that the States aren't exactly uh, <coughs> famous for yeah. yes. maternity leave. <laughs> I think we're infamous for just that very thing. Yes. No. So I had only been filling in a maternity leave before. So I was not a full-time employee when I went to give birth. I think I had like two or three weeks before. I think I worked right up until. And then because I wasn't a full-time employee, I didn't have anything. So going back was like, if there's Wait. an opportunity. <laughs> you had, sorry, you had nothing. Right. Because she was filling... I mean, you were filling in full time for someone... On her There's no statutory... Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So you're a full-time worker, but a temporary full-time worker. Correct. And so then it was a big question of, will I go back? What will even be available? How will this work for us? Stephen was working full-time and in school full-time. And so there was a lot happening for him. Mm -hmm. Then we were calculating how much are we making on this? Yeah. What does childcare look like? And my mom was watching him when he, she could and I was breastfeeding. And so she was like bringing him up to me so I could breastfeed. There were so many balls in the air. And honestly, the salary was horrible. We decided that it just, I wasn't going to do it. So I stopped working um, because of that. It Did sounds like it was the job. most insane juggle. How old was your son at that point when you decided to just stop it for now? I think probably, yes, maybe. I don't even know if he was. I mean, this is making me, this is making me laugh because obviously in the UK, a lot of people take off minimum six months, (laughs) maybe a year. Not here. Um, So it's just, I'm like slightly incredulous because I just think, of course you can't breastfeed and also work and also do childcare. That's why people have maternity leave. So it just blows my mind. I just think it's the most ridiculous system. Sorry, no offense to America, but we well, hear I, I, I don't get can, it. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, and honestly, yeah. that's part of the thing. I mean, that's one of our major podiums we stand on. It felt like an impossible system. And we felt this isn't going to work. Well, we would have fallen apart. Like it's yeah. not sustainable physically, psychologically. Like right. there's no. no way our relationship could survive that kind of context. It just Right. Yeah, and I was making significantly less money than Stephen because I was in community mental health. But so it just I mean it was the only thing that made sense for us. Mm-hmm. So that is what I did. I stopped working and it was great. I didn't resent it. I did sometimes resent Stephen's job. And I think a lot of time resentment in a couple relationship comes because you're doing something and it's hard because his job was hard. He was working all of the time. Either he was working at his job or he was coming home and trying to be involved while our kid was awake and then doing coursework all night. Like He was always doing something. But to me, it looks like, well, that's freedom because you're choosing all of these things. And you You, have autonomy over your time and you can go to the loo when you need to go and make a coffee. If I I could count how many times I've heard that one. Yes, it's uh, true. It's true. But that is, true. I think that it's is like where a basic seven. human need that yes. you can't access sometimes and, and when I, you've got a two year old or whatever. Yes. In in all honesty, so as you know, in a kind of heteronormative relationship here, you know, like for me, I did not understand that. Yes. I didn't understand that kind of like you get to go to the bathroom without having to. You get to take a shower. <laughs> you get to leave. And and in my mind, I'm sitting there being like, I get to leave and go work my tail off doing all kinds of challenging things to come back home, be exhausted. And and I know how that sounds, even like in in light of like, it, it makes it sound like, well, you're not doing anything. You're just at home. And I think that what I began to realize, and it took maybe what, our third Yes, I mean, it took Mm -hmm. years for me to realize, like, oh, I just don't get it. I just don't like. (laughs) I I just (laughs) like. I just don't get it. There is a weight, and there is a burden, and there is a responsibility, and there is an expectation, and there's social scripts, and all these things placed on Aaron that I am privileged not to have, and I just don't get it. And the only appropriate response from me to Aaron when she says that is like, yeah, I can't imagine. I don't get it. That has to be hard. So I think where couples go round and round is because 
we're 10 years out from that at this point. And so we have a lot of hindsight that helps us articulate these things. But at the time, Mm -hmm. I wasn't saying, this is really hard for both of us. And I realize I resent you because you have freedoms I don't feel like I have. That is not what I was saying. What I was (laughs) saying is, don't talk to me about your hard day. You have no idea what it was like. And he's mutually saying that. just invalidation feeding invalidation. Yes. Invalidation. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this is what you guys are so good on your page at communicating because I, I vividly remember the moment where, you know, you're just scrolling through your explore feed, whatever, like thing, <laughs> thing. And then I saw some infographic that you guys did and it was like, just because I say I'm tired, doesn't mean that yeah. you're not. Yes. And yes. I was like, freaking that is gold accurate. And it's that exactly as you say, it's that like invalidation. I think when you are both tired, just creates a massive argument right at the end of the day, in the middle of the night when the kids are finally asleep or whatever. I mean, yeah, I just couldn't agree more. Yes, that's precisely it. And so I'm trying to say, I don't feel like I have any freedom. That's what I mean to say. And I'm feeling the weight of responsibility. But Stephen, all (laughs) he hears is, you're telling me I got the whole day to myself. But what I spent this whole day doing was working with things and people I care about because it's my job. But like, I'd rather be with you and our kid too. Like, it's not like I had a free day hanging out with myself, really pouring into Stephen. And so it just, he hears it. Your day was easy. My day was hard. Yeah, and, so- and the tired thing. Oh, man. So we would have that conversation. Aaron would say she was tired. And then my really caring, <laughs> empathetic response would be to tally how many hours of sleep I got, um, which at that point in my life was not a lot, you know, maybe three hours or something like that. And then yes. she would be like, yeah, but I woke up every 15 minutes. And it, what, what you're in this- You're having a competition. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're trying to say like, well, whose life is harder? Mine or yeah. yours? And, and it just, it just doesn't work that way, you know? And Everybody feels really unseen yeah. and misunderstood. And what that makes for is some really lonely parents. And honestly, what we were trying to say to each other is, I miss you. I mean, that's yeah. at the bottom of it. It's, yeah. I, I miss me and I miss you. This is so I hard. I miss me and I miss you. I love it. And But that's not how it comes out at all. But yeah. And so 10 years later, we can see that's what we were trying to say. And for me to get to choose to stay home, it was a huge cost to our family. But also, it was this really beautiful gift. So it just depended on how stressful the day was, how much I felt each of those things. And the same was true for Steven. He was working full time to support us. I mean, all of our money was on him. Like, so don't lose your job because what are we going to do? You've got this whole family relying on you now. And then he's also going to school to try to grow something and build something for our future. And I did not, at the same time, out of my own hurt and lonely places, I did not validate that at all either. So we both felt like, depending on how stressed we were, was our Mm. measure of how much we were willing to acknowledge how hard the other person (laughs) was working for our family. Yeah. Yeah. And and it really did take 10 years, maybe six Mm -hmm. years. It was our third. Mm -hmm. Mm. And And you're very specific there, six years. So what happened to get to that state? So our life got harder, if you can even imagine. But we had moved again a few times. So Stephen had... He was, so we, yeah, we had moved. Oh my God, how many times have you moved? I think to, 15. Yeah, probably. And 14 oh my years. God, come on. I know. But we, we had moved to Denver. And so I was working at the hospital and I was Which teaching... Which is where at, you are now, Denver. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. I was working at a hospital. I was teaching at a university and then also had a private practice. And so I was gone... All day a ton. Long. And, you know, Aaron. We'd had another baby by then. Yeah, so we had the at that time like a two four babies. and a two year old. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's yeah. tough. It was tough and it was wonderful. I was loving my life with them. I still was happy to get to be staying home, but our life was taxing. Mm. I was living alone essentially. I, yeah. and, and so were you, but it wasn't working. I was growing increasingly hurt and upset and this life isn't working. I was growing in postpartum depression by the minute. And then we decided in the context of how I'm communicating this, it sounds like we're absolutely out of our minds, but we decided to get pregnant. We were like, you know, it's going to be great. Like, let's have a baby. Yeah. But we did. And we did try to do that. And that is when we had our second, second miscarriage. miscarriage. Yeah. yeah. So we ended up in a pregnancy loss, which only deepened the darkness and like, what mm-hmm. are we doing? Mm-hmm. We need a life change. Then not like actual medical miracle, but a little bit, we don't really know, but we got pregnant, which is with who is now our 
youngest and last. I mean, we know how people get pregnant and stuff. <laughs> it's more the timing of it. T- it doesn't quite add up mathematically. Just from how recently I had miscarried, my body probably shouldn't have been ready. And so we got pregnant. And then we were trying to have these conversations, but the pressure was intense Mm -hmm. because of our contextual pressure. Mm -hmm. And then our whole life blew up. Stephen and I both had a parent die when our baby, he was 10 weeks old. On the same night, we had a parent die. Yeah, my dad died and Aaron's mom died. Two hours later. Firstly, I'm so sorry (laughs) of your losses. I'm so sorry, but was it expected from both of them? No, my my dad had a heart attack while he was driving and wrecked and died uh, the next day. And then my mom had an aneurysm. Yeah, in different states and not related at all, you know, obviously. But yes, and it was unfortunately the wake up call that sort of shook us out of, we cannot keep living our life like we are. Something has got to change. We have to have some radical changes because life is short and unpredictable. So short. Yes. And to say to young parents with young kids that life is short, they don't always connect with that because life feels very long. The days are yes. so endless. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. But at the same time, our days were feeling endless and our life was feeling short and it was we need to do something different. And we quit everything. We moved to a cheaper part of the country and okay. were able to just take a year reset and evaluate what we wanted to do. And what yeah. we- so you just didn't work for a year? How did that work? Yes, that is exactly amazing. What- mm-hmm. Oh my God, incredible. You had a gap year. We had a gap year. Yeah, a, a, a forced gap year. <laughs> yes. We without were growing. The, without the backpacking in Thailand. Yes. Yeah. Without yeah. any of the luxury of anything fun because it was just like grief. And yeah. we had a baby. You know, he was, it's his first year of life. And we had a four year old and a six year old. And and we were still doing some things work wise. Like I, I was still teaching and seeing some clients. It was mm-hmm. very it was reduced. We were trying to grow a practice at that point. But then I think from that sort of sparked, look, we can try and craft a life where we have time together as a family and with our kids. And so I would say that Aaron is our leader in terms of the boss, in terms of the vision for what we do now. You mean as a business? Yeah, as a business Mm -hmm. and how we got to where we are. And she just kicked into this gear where she was like, I'm going to achieve the kind of life I want. And I'm not really a vision person, but I am good at doing things. And and so it it worked out because she was like, this is what we're doing now. You're a manifester. That's right. It's like my husband. He's just the same. You need that visionary. And I I need it. (laughs) Right, right. I do too. I do too. I need you, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) What is embarrassing for me to say, and I, I understand now why I said it, but I still don't like to admit it. I was always trying to give Stephen ideas like, you should try this, do this, and you'll have more time. And Stephen <laughs> finally said at some point, like, Aaron, I'm never going to do any of this. Like, I, <laughs> it's not who I am. And if you want these things for our life, you're going to have to do it. And that was what sort of broke me out of this helpless, like, you're the worker, you're the right, one who can make right, the money, yeah. you're the one who has the education, you're yeah. the one who could do these things. And Stephen was like, enough of this, I'm in charge of us. Like, you be in charge of us. Well, and I'm like, you've got, a, you've got a great education. You're smart. You're dynamic. There's all these things that I think you can do and that was, would really help us. To me, to see Aaron like step into that sort of entrepreneurial kind of spirit, and maybe something she didn't even know was part of who she was like in terms mm-hmm. of maybe business or work. It's been great. I yeah. think that's exactly it. I do think I gave up my power, but I also think the system didn't really you allow- You encouraged. Yes. At all. I think I was asked to give up my power. And, and thankfully, Stephen said, enough. I, ca- I can't. I will buckle under the, the pressure and the weight of you wanting this life where we have time. And yet I'm supposed to be making the money where we have it. Like I can't do both of these things. If this is life you want, you have to help. And so I took back my power. And, yeah. I, and I think that's where we've been for the last four and a half years is me stepping back up and saying, I do have something to offer. And in our system, it's not easy. I don't think it was easy for me. Well, I still don't work in the system because I don't think the system is set up for that. No, there's there's like a few things going on, aren't there? You get into a habit as a mom of constantly putting the needs of someone else before yourself. And it's almost suddenly you're like, wait, have I bathed? 
today have I eaten or why do I feel ill? It's like, oh, because I haven't drunk any water for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. And you don't even realize it's happening. And when you do it for like, I don't know, two years, because that's the time that you've taken away from your job, or whatever, it can be really difficult to realize that power is available for you to retake if you want to. And I think what can happen, so, you know, Letty, I'm just thinking like, so you're saying that and I'm running through my mind, the male response that I've heard, but also that I felt myself is that idea of like, oh, so you're saying that I don't put aside like things for myself and I'm not always putting other people first. Like I go to work for this family. I do this Mm -hmm. for this family. And I think that is an interesting perspective, but I think there has to be this sort of awakening of realizing it is not the same for me. And, And that feeling of what you're talking about is just something I don't get again because it is not a system that's applied to me. You can acknowledge that it's there and it Mm -hmm. is true and it is valid, but it will always be very difficult to properly empathize. And actually, if I'm honest, you're right, Stephen, in that I hadn't thought about it from that point of view. And I think I'm probably around where you were a while ago, Erin, in terms of, if I'm very honest with myself, that slightly worries me state sometimes Mm -hmm. where I just think like, I'm just so, I'm just so angry about it because it's just so unfair. But actually there are feelings that should be validated on both sides. And I think you're so right. So thank you for bringing that to attention. I I wasn't saying that to validate my feelings. I think (laughs) what I was saying is to challenge any any male who listens to this and comes up with that argument of, well, are you, because, (laughs) because I'm just going to say to that man out there, you don't get it. And it's not the same. It doesn't mean that you're not making sacrifices or what, it doesn't mean that you're not important, but it is not the same. And what you expressed and what Aaron has expressed about feeling like her power was taken, like the system is not even set up to empower her. That, that is something that I think male partners need to recognize I don't get this, I don't understand it, but it's real and I need to do what I can to understand it and I need to accept that it's true. And then I need to do something different to make the system different for our relationship. I might not be able to change the workforce, but what I need to do is I need to listen to what Aaron is saying and then say, okay, well, is there a way for us to shape our life in a way where that doesn't happen to you? Well, so where I'm, you're supporting so, yeah, me in so, that system. Yeah. So I'm challenging that- uh, the, the narrative you're the saying. Na- yeah, the, that narrative. That Letty, I think sometimes. that woe is me place. I, I think it's an important place and everybody has to come in their own process, right? Like you, you can't just <laughs> yeah. snap out of it. But I think that what happened with our third baby, that six year mark for me, I was at maximum capacity. Yeah. I had nothing left. And so it was very much, I mean, we now are grieving the loss of our parents. I have a brand new baby. Mm-hmm. We have these other two kids. I was finished and spent. And I looked at Steven and said like, how we have been existing isn't working and it is not going to work anymore. And there was this, it it was anger. It was hurt. It Mm -hmm. was seven years old. It was a lot of things, but... And justified, you know, and and something Um, I needed to wake up to. Yes. And and that was the thing that helped Stephen wake up. I think it is different for each partner, but I think what each partner, and I think this is what you're saying, Stephen, like Stephen says to me at one point, like what I had to understand was that parenting cost my Aaron's body and her freedom to tend to her own basic needs in a way it just doesn't cost him. And it's not to say it doesn't cost him, but it is absolutely different. And in a way he can't understand and trying to do this back and forth. I'm more tired. No, you're more tired. I said, I'm tired. So you're not. That is the exhausting, endless game where everyone's mutually invalidated. Um, And suddenly Stephen's saying, I see that your freedoms are different. That finally was the thing that woke me up of like, well, I'm going to take it back then. I can do something different. And I'm going to be a part of... And I need your help. Doing that. Yes. Like helping (laughs) and being a part of that. So subsequently, all of our work is an outflowing of that. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Which leads beautifully onto the Instagram because that's how I discovered you in the first place. Obviously, it's is it only a small component of your actual business, but how did that all start? And I assume, Erin, that came from you by the sounds of it. That's correct. It so did. we are two years old on there. Is that right? Just a little over two? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we 
started meeting with a business consultant, honestly, about like, what do we want to do? I had all of these ideas. I had Uh all these ideas for what Stephen could be doing. (laughs) And he was great. Stephen and I didn't have personal social media, anything at that point. And he was like, well, you have to. Like, this is how businesses (laughs) work now to show our age. We're like, what? We don't want to. And I don't like it. And so we had six months of sort of me dragging my feet on that. I didn't want to do it. I didn't like it. And then Stephen's sister sat me down and explained how Instagram works and what a hashtag is and how to post (laughs) and how to find someone else's page. It honestly got me excited. Like, oh, there's people out here who are actually here to learn. And a lot of really beautiful things happen. I think I was stuck in this mentality of like, social media is toxic and people get all Mm. wrapped up and feeling bad about themselves on there Mm. and feeling lots of pressure. And I wanted nothing to do with it. But also social media can be powerful for good also. So it doesn't mean there isn't harmful things that happen. There are. But also, I got really empowered. and like, I can do this. I can figure out some ways to make this relatable, accessible, and actually practical. Mm. And that is what I set out to do. And I've mostly, I'd say, really enjoyed it. Stephen... <laughs> mostly. Yes. I'm definitely going to ask more about that. <laughs> um, mostly. So good bits and bad bits. Yeah. It's sure. Yeah. I think... I mean, the, the bad bits are just... It's a grind. It's, it's a, a grind. You yes. just got to mm-hmm. be consistent and do it every day and you know all those kinds of things. Yes. And also there's like a personal piece to it too. Like sometimes I'll think something's really important and it doesn't land anywhere. Or like it doesn't get the traction I want or the feedback people have about it isn't how I meant it. And I can get lost in my head like, ah. But then also we hear these unbelievably powerful stories about like, you know, you helped in my postpartum. Like my husband and I, we were disconnected or my partner and I, we also are intentionally inclusive of all couples on there. And that has always been very important to us. And people have said, there are nobody else where there's two moms in a picture. And it matters to me to see myself Mm. in that way. And that is like, okay, it's fuel for another day. It's been a wild ride for sure. Yeah. And I mean, given that it's what, two years old and you guys are in the hundreds of thousands of followers, you must... Was there like a rocket moment where you were like, holy crap, this is like exploding? I would say there are probably like four or five different like rocket moments where Mm -hmm. it's like you jump from one number to the next, but it's also gradual. I mean, can it be both? Can I guess it can. So where do you see it all going? I'm going to let the CEO answer that. Okay. The chief strategy officer. <laughs> That's right. right. Yes. I think to some extent, I think we have learned enough in our four and a half years of business to know we don't know that we want to be able to sure. pivot and pivot often and to help where help is actually needed. But we would like to keep helping couples to keep hearing those stories. I love those. I, I will never not want that. I would also like to see it shift on some systemic levels. I, I would really like to see couples being supported. I would like to see moms being supported at home. But I, I don't think that's always very realistic either. I think mm-hmm. most people don't have choice. I think most people either feel trapped in staying at home or trapped at a job that doesn't support them. And, and I, I think I would love to see that feel different. And if I think like bigger picture, when we began this, one of the things that we wanted to have happen is that when people think about what does it mean to be a healthy couple as parents, that we are the resource that they think of. And like ultimately, there's another portion of we really want to change how businesses interact with their employees. How do you change a system for couples and families so that women do have their power? And not just speaking to heterosexual couples, but just because we are one, just for example, <laughs> men understanding those systems of oppression and things like that being changed. And so like broadly speaking, we see ourselves being uh, the global resource for this population of people. Aaron, I think you have competition for your CSO role. <laughs> I could tell that while I was talking, Stephen was like, she's not being clear enough. <laughs> well, I, could, I knew it was coming. Sometimes Aaron is not as brash as maybe I am about some of those things. She's a little more reserved. Maybe. Um, yeah, she's like, no, that's not how it is at all. <laughs> oh, but, yes. but I mean, really admirable ambitions. And I think what you're aiming 
to achieve is really exciting because if it's not there from a government point of view, then yeah, create it, do it yourself. There you go, Letty. You know exactly what we're about. Yeah. And I think that's been part of it. We haven't been thrilled with some of the resources available. Mm-hmm. And so we would we just want to be actionable and practical and accessible because not everybody has the privileges and resources that we have. Well, and- all I can say is that your page one hundred percent does that. I mean, it's so digestible, so practical. It's It really is amazing. And, and look, I'm conscious of your guys' time, but if it's okay, I just have one final question to ask mm-hmm. you before you go, which I guess is, I know that there will be people listening because I get this sort of thing quite often, which is people who are thinking, my relationship is never going to be the same. We're completely mm-hmm. different people. How can we find a way back to each other. And have you just got any advice for those people just to give them a little bit of hope? Because I know that some people really believe that they can't come back from from it. And I want to reassure them and say that they can, but I'm not in their shoes and I can't possibly know. But I know from your guys' page that you do believe that change is possible. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, part of me wants to say like, no, your relationship isn't the same because you are not the same. So I think part of the beginning of something new is learning who you are. So traumatic births, it changes you. My first pregnancy ending and pregnancy loss, it changed me. And and I had to take the time to learn who that made me. Like, who am I now? Because that directly impacts who we are as a couple and vice versa. It, it, mm-hmm. Nothing happens to one person. It impacts us both. And so spending the time to say, we are a new couple, even when things work perfectly. Like I told you our oldest son, his pregnancy and birth were actual mm-hmm. magic. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it didn't mean it wasn't hard and that we didn't have that turbulent time at the end in our mm-hmm. postpartum. wasn't like, what does what just happened? to us (laughs) because we did birth to birth, pregnancy to pregnancy, kid to kid, couple to couple. It it does mean figuring out who you are as a person, figuring out who your partner is and figuring out who we want to be now. Same thing about work, like getting your power back, getting your choice back. Couples start reacting at each other and they lose choice. And who do we want to be? It's just like, well, this is who we are now. Like, well, well, it is until you step back and assess and make a plan and choose, get your choice and your power back. Who do we want to be? Because you do still have choice. And honestly, such a good note to end on because I think, Aaron, what you were saying, I think you're alluding to that shift in mindset and shift in framework and thinking, which is rather than feeling trapped and stuck in the past, it's reframing it into choice and into Mm -hmm. future. And I think sometimes just putting your brain in that space when you're in a very present environment of babies, which is very present, you're not thinking about strategy when you're (laughs) changing the fifth like nappy that morning or you know within an hour or whatever and i think sometimes just raising your head above the parapet just to be like actually okay life is different but actually the future looks bright and we can make it something really amazing if we want to we just have to make that choice as you said erin i think is really powerful so unfortunately as i said i really could talk to you guys forever (laughs) but i too i'm But you guys have been absolutely amazing. And I just want to say a huge thank you for giving up your time and all of your energy to this conversation, because I know how valuable it will be to all the ladies listening and some of the blokes as well, hopefully, who popped on, (laughs) who, yeah, want to hear about this stuff. I'm really grateful. And is there anything in particular you want to shout about before you go? No, I don't think so. But thank you so much. It's an honor to get to be here. We love talking about this, as you can tell. It's a real passion of ours. And thank you for creating this space and just helping one person feel a little less lonely in what can be a really lonely season of life. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been really, it's been, it's always so good for us even to just remember these parts of our story. You made it. You've reached the end of the Springback Guide podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate it five stars to join everyone else in spreading the word about how to go back to work happy and confident after your baby. You can find me on Instagram at Springback Guide, or if you're feeling really inspired, head to springbackguide.com to go for it and invest in yourself. Okay, see you soon.